Welcome back to I've Tried Everything, a podcast focusing on behavior supports in schools. I'm your host, Angela Eisenberg, Project Coordinator at Region 13. Every week, I talk with educators just like you. We cover some tough topics, share stories, and explore what works and what doesn't. Let's go. I am very honored to be joined today by Keith Thompson. He is our Director for Leadership and Initiative Supports. Thank you, Keith, for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having me, Angela. I want to talk to you because you're over a lot of different initiatives and very important initiatives here at Region 13. You support not only our superintendents, our principals, but also our brand new little interns that are coming into education. So let's let's put on those, all those different hats and let's tackle some of those important questions that we have out there. What do you feel is the biggest concern around behavior and behavior supports right now from the different groups that you support? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, as we check in with our our district leaders, our campus leaders, our teachers, they all have different concerns around behaviors right now. Starting with the teacher side of things, behaviors are different every day. Every day that a teacher shows up, they're experiencing new behaviors. Yes, there's some consistency, but from day to day, the teachers don't know what to expect. And for our new teachers right now, we're trying to develop that toolkit that they have to manage the behaviors, but it is a struggle for them right now. They're seeing behaviors from resistance, from lack of communication. They're seeing behaviors that are aggressive. And so they're seeing a wide range of behaviors right now. And we're trying to work with our teachers to make sure that we have the systems in place to be able to manage those behaviors. One of the big things we remind our teachers is that behavior is communication. And so while you're frustrated with behaviors, there is an underlying message behind it. And so being able to see through the behavior and identify how we can assist the student is a challenge because in the moment we've all been in that position where there's a behavior as a teacher that is extremely frustrating and is preventing you from getting to your instruction. And we're really working with our teachers right now to support that. From the campus leadership, we see a huge need for our principals and assistant principals right now who feel like too much of their time is being spent on behaviors and they're not able to get to the other tasks that they have. And so as the principal, as the instructional leader for that campus, we're hearing I'm spending so much time dealing with behaviors on the phone with parents, handing out consequences. I don't have time to get into classrooms to focus on the instruction piece. When we talk to district leaders, they're hearing from the campus leaders about, yes, there's a lot of behaviors. Campus leadership is requesting support, but districts don't necessarily have, number one, the personnel, or number two, the resources financially to be able to provide that support. And so there's concerns across the board right now. We spent a lot of time after, I want to say after the pandemic, but we're still kind of living in that aftermath of it right now, talking about learning loss. But we didn't spend a lot of time talking about behavior loss. And it sounds like that they're kind of reeling in that behavior loss right now when they want to be focusing on that learning loss to make those improvements needed. 
We had the opportunity at Region 13 in September to have a panel come all the way from a superintendent to a student on a campus. And they talked to us about some of the concerns that they were seeing on their campus. And one of the overwhelming threads that were through each of those panelists was mental wellness and the need for support around mental wellness with staff. So thinking about those campus leaders out there, how could they best support their staff's mental wellness? Yeah, this is a great question. Thinking back to whenever I was a principal as a campus leader, you know, I was guilty of, hey, I put some extra snacks in the lounge. Here's a drink. Here's a t-shirt. <laughs> here's that gum. Here's your gun, the extra mile. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I care about you. Let me buy something for you and show you, that, you know, we're here for you to support you. Um, what we're hearing now is, while that's nice, well-intentioned, and there's definitely a place for it, there needs to be more. You know, we're asking so much of teachers right now giving them a bag of popcorn and saying you're a rock star, whatever it might be, that's great. But what they need is they need to know that somebody is there to support them and that somebody is there in the trenches with them. And so for teachers, that mental health piece can be supported by having the opportunity to share concerns, to have that group that they can trust to go to and be able to talk through, here's what I'm experiencing and not necessarily from a point of view of I need a solution, but just hear me. You yeah. know, he here's my concerns right now. Here's what I'm dealing with. I can't hold this in anymore or I'm going to explode. And so whether that's, you know, somebody on their team that they trust and built a relationship with, whether it's a counselor, whether it's an administrator, it's important for everyone on that campus to have that outlet, somebody that they can go to share how they're feeling, share what their needs are at this time. And once again, not from the point of view of a principal saying, okay, well, I'm hearing this, here's how we're going to fix it. If there's a solution, that's great. But a lot of times it's just being able to vocalize those concerns um, that does wonders for the teachers to know now somebody knows what I'm going through. We're really stressing with our principals to get out there and get in the trenches and get in the classrooms and provide that support to the teachers, whether that's, hey, I'm going to cover your class for 15 minutes so you can step out, cool off for a little bit, come back, or whether that is finding ways to take things off of teachers' plates. There's so much we're asking of our teachers and our principals right now, really evaluating what it is we're asking of all of these staff members, what is essential, what can I take off of your plate that's going to give you some of that time back so that you can focus on making sure that you're at your best for the students? We had at our last curriculum council, I guess in September, we had Georgie Ann um, from yes. Terrell ISD. She's dubbed herself the subbing superintendent on TikTok. So she's out there. She's modeling. She also can empathize with teachers because she's then living what it is that they're dealing with on a daily basis because then she can say, wow, I didn't realize kindergartners were at this level kind of thing. But as an administrator or district leader, we don't think about the weight that is resting on their shoulders, not only from the accountability that they have, but also that secondary trauma. We hear students' lives and it can be so very overwhelming what they're going through. And we 
immerse ourselves in that. But then as a leader, you also have your staff's trauma that you're carrying around as well. As a principal, what are some things that they could do to kind of decompress so that they don't get too wrapped up into that world of secondary trauma? Yeah, that's real right now. I think for a lot of our principals, having that support system, you know, having that group of colleagues that they can turn to. And once again, this isn't a let's talk and you need to give me three ways that I can fix my problems. But being able to vocalize and just share so you're not having to hold everything inside as far as this is what I'm experiencing makes a huge difference. You're probably going to find out that a lot of principals are going through the same situation right now. And so being able to talk through those concerns and there's a lot of heavy heaviness on campuses right now. There, there is trauma out there. You know, we hear every day of just horrific stories of what some of these students are going through and teachers are compassionate. They, they carry that weight. My wife is a teacher. She comes home and, you know, she knows the lives of the kids that she works with and she knows when something's gone wrong and for her not to be able to carry that weight is a huge ask of her. Um, but for our teachers and for our leaders, being able to share that with somebody, maintaining confidentiality, obviously, but just being able to talk through what's happening um, is very therapeutic. But then also, I think what we encourage our teachers and our leaders to do is to really focus on the positives because while you may not feel it every day, there are positives that happen every single day. And, you know, as a principal, it was always great to end my day by ending it with a positive phone call, whether that's calling a teacher that I visited that day saying, hey, I really enjoy being in your class today. You did a great job with your small group instruction, calling that parent that maybe you don't call often enough for the positive reasons. Uh, you know, they, they see your number on the, the cell phone <laughs> and maybe they don't answer. Uh, but really forcing yourself to end your day with the positive helps you to not necessarily carry that weight home with you after work. I had the utmost honor and, and privilege to interview two of your interns in the education certification program here at Region 13. William was one of them. He's from Deer Park Middle School. And one thing he didn't anticipate with being a teacher, he said, I didn't realize how invested I was going to be in my kids' lives. And so we live it. We're right there and we want to help them in every single way possible. And definitely finding the positives and finding what you can do. The other thing with behavior is that a lot of times we want behavior to be immediately eliminated, right? We try something and it's like this beautiful, like elimination of behavior, but that doesn't really happen. Right. I feel like that maybe one thing that administrators could do is help teachers focus on progress, okay, let's stop. Let's think about where we were in August with that kindergartner was throwing a fit and and screaming and crying for three hours. And now they're still screaming and crying, but we can get them in the classroom in 30 minutes. So we went from three hours to 30 minutes. So we're doing the right thing. It's just taking some time. I kind of make it like it sucks the life out of you behavior does <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. Did you ever have those opportunities to look at progress? with behavior? There's always opportunities to focus on the progress. Having the growth mindset allows you to see the progress, 
because too often teachers, administrators have so many other variables that they're not able to see the progress. And it's viewed as a, well, here we go again. It's happening again. And we're not able to see last time, like you said, it took three hours. This time it took 30 minutes. While that is understandable from the teacher side of things, it is important because even as teachers, our progress is important. While we deliver instruction at the beginning of the year, it may not be great. And I think we can all admit that I'm a former teacher. I I had instruction where I know that it wasn't great early in the day, but by the end of the day, instruction got better. And that's the progress. And that's the way we need to view behavior as well. But I'm also very aware that teachers aren't always able to see that given everything else that's on their plates right now. And so I think that's where a good leader steps in and at the right time, maybe not in the middle of the behavior, but at the end of the day, after things have cooled off a little bit, go back, reassure that teacher, hey, I know this is tough, right? But look what we've done in the past couple of weeks. We've been able to take a behavior that was escalated for several hours and we're able to redirect that behavior now in a fraction of the time. When I interviewed William and Brittany from your education certification program, they were had glowing positives around the program here at Region 13 and the support they have from Pamela Pate, which is their leader for their group. How are you guys preparing interns for the behavior challenges that they're facing right now? Yeah, we used to approach behavior from a standalone module pre-pandemic. We could teach one class on here's how to manage your classroom. The approach we have now is it's spiraled throughout the curriculum with our cohorts that we have specifically talking about our secondary cohort. We typically start with them in January and they do a field observation in March. And so we want to work with them to cover some behavior management prior to going into that field observation so they can kind of see the subtle moves that teachers are doing and relate that to classroom management. But then we also spend a lot of time covering classroom management, develop classroom management plans, talk about positive behavior supports in the summer prior to them starting their job in August, September. And then, of course, school starts. Everything goes crazy. And we have to remind our new teachers, you have a plan for this. Yes, there's a hundred other things you have to do, but until you're able to manage behaviors and get to the kids' hearts, you're not going to be able to get to their minds. And so really focusing them on behavior has to be managed first in order for us to get to the instructional needs. You got to walk before you run. That's exactly it. And spend that time. Shocktober, we are in the middle of it. Um, The highest referral time in the fall semester is Indigenous Day to Thanksgiving. So we are smack dab right there. And people always say Shocktober, but it's really October, November-esque right there. Are you guys coming back around even now with behavior in those programs? Yeah, it comes up in all of our classes. And so we always take a few minutes to check in with our students, you know, field support, you know, when they're here for classes online. And we're reminding them of our, our three enduring understandings when it comes to behavior. You know, number one, behavior is communication. We may not like what we're seeing out of the behavior. A kid walks into your class, slams his book down, says, I hate math class. There's a good chance maybe it has nothing to do with math class, right? There's something else that he's trying to communicate. We also remind them that 
the teacher is the decisive element when it comes to behavior. How we react can either escalate or de-escalate the behavior. And then also we reinforce with them that behavior is now a content area. You know, we have to teach you how to manage that behavior. You know, even if you're teaching secondary, doesn't mean that you can just assume that kids know how to behave in your class. You have to teach what it is you're expecting. And so we are constantly revisiting behavior. I love that you said that behavior is a content area. It's one of the things that I've added into my trainings whenever I'm on campus that you weren't hired to teach just second grade or algebra two or physics. You were hired to teach physics and behavior and so forth, so on. It's our job in education to teach behavior. We can get into a philosophical conversation around, isn't that the parent's job? But one of the things I will ask teachers is, have you ever dealt with an adult that did not have social skills? There's enough Karen videos out there that (laughs) show that there are some adults that don't have social skills, right? So we have adults that are modeling inappropriate social skills to maybe their neighbor, their own children, family members. We also have parents that are working two and three jobs and they want to be more present and they'd like to be able to be more hands-on, but unfortunately they're not able to do that. And then we have kids that don't have parents that are in our foster care system. We want to think our foster care system is great, but we do see the long-term effects that foster care has. I think the legislative session, I think it was this last session said that you had to look at a child's situation before you look at the consequence kind of Mm -hmm. thing, whether it's foster care or homelessness. But if you look at the long-term effect of foster care Right now, I think we're sitting at 67% of our inmates on death row have been in the foster care system at some point in time. Wow. It's staggering to kind of think around that. So it is. It's it's our job to teach behavior, but they are challenging. So I want you to tell me some of the most challenging behaviors that you've heard from your groups that you work with. What are they coming to tell you? Oh my God, Keith, they they did this today. (laughs) Yeah, we could spend hours on this topic for sure. Uh, I'm going to break it down by kind of age group. And so what we're seeing a lot of in our primary grades is the kids who still think that behavior is a game. And so they more than likely know the expectation, but they don't want to follow the expectation. As the teacher comes close, they want to run away and they want to laugh you know, because they like the attention. And that's when the teachers are struggling with, okay, do I hold the expectation? Do I ignore the behavior? How do I handle this? And so that's definitely a frustration we're hearing from a lot of our primary teachers. In the middle grades, we're hearing a lot of resistance and and lack of communication. You have the kids that you go through the expectations. They're in a group setting, whether they're independent group, small group, whatever it might be. They have the assignment in front of them and they will not respond to anything. And so these kids will shut down and they know the task. You know they're plenty smart enough to do the work but they're not going to pick up the pencil. They're not going to take the hood off their head. They're going to put their head down on the desk and they won't talk to you. They won't complete anything. But then whenever the bell rings, they get up and go. And so that's a huge frustration for our middle grades right now. And we're hearing some stories from our secondary settings about just straight up attitude and disrespect. And you know what? You know, I'm not going to do it. You know, you give me this assignment. I'll just tell you no. I'm not going to do it, or I might rip it up, throw it in the trash can. That's extremely difficult to deal with. 
We worked really hard after the quarantine part of the pandemic to get students back because we lost students that just opted not to engage on online learning or didn't have the availability or maybe the level of responsibility to do their own learning online. Now we've gotten them. (laughs) They're back on our campus and they're not engaged. They don't want to be there, but they feel like they have to be there from an attendance standpoint. And so that is a challenge. Albert Feltz and I, he's my director. We did an I Tried Everything and we talked about the difference between motivation and inspiration and where motivation is that carrot and stick kind of thing that we're going to dangle some kind of PBIS reward in front of you. Oh, here's a token. Like kids are not excited about that stuff anymore. And I even find that in the younger grades, they're like, what? This is it? (laughs) And moving more into how do we inspire students to want to be engaged and look at their lives in a little bit different way than what they're seeing right now. If you thought about inspiring, let's just go adults because that's who we primarily work with. How do you feel like you inspire adults? We're in a unique situation where we have an alternative certification program And the teachers coming to us in our program are making that choice to leave their current profession and join the education profession, which is amazing. Every time we meet with these new teachers, we hear that they want to make a difference. They've been doing a job where there's no gratification. They don't feel like they're making a difference. So inspiring adults, they want to come in and be that person who has a tremendous impact on a child's life. And we're getting that, you know, despite all the the bad news that's out there, there is so much good that's happening. When we talk with our teachers, you know, tell us what's going wrong right now. We always piggyback that with, now tell us what's going well. What are you enjoying? And that's so important because they are making a difference. The teachers that are out there right now are working so hard for our kids and for our families and there's tremendous success out there. So if you were to be transplanted back onto the campus today and and somebody said, Keith, you're going to be a principal again of an elementary school, what behavior supports and initiatives would you make sure were in place for the success of your students and your staff? When you get the opportunity to leave the classroom and you're in administration, you look back and say, oh man, I wish I had known this when I was a teacher. Kind of the same thing now. And so knowing what I know now, I know I didn't do things the best that I could have as an administrator. And so the systems that I'd want to have is just making sure that we do have some sort of campus-wide system that is consistently being executed across the campus, whether they're in the cafeteria, whether they're in the library, a first grade class, a fifth grade class, expectations are the same. And knowing what the adult expectations are too, we were really good about stating what the expectations for the kids are. I need to be more explicit about what I expect from my adults in the building as well. On top of that, seeing how kids are interacting with each other these days, there's got to be ways to build those relationships between students and have them understand that their actions are having tremendous impact on their peers uh, because I, I do feel like that's a piece that's missing today. 
if I were to go back in the classroom today, hands down restorative would be what I would put into place. And I think it really addresses what you just said. Restorative and doing those proactive circles in the classroom are opportunities for students to build community, hear from one another, and it helps them to see people in a different way, see their other colleagues in the classroom in a different way. And it also from a discipline side of that restorative lens, it helps students to understand the impact of their behavior and how that that behavior has impacted somebody else and what I have to do to make it right. Like what harm did I cause? And then how do I make that right? And it shifts the ownership of the child's behavior from the adults managing the behavior to the students managing the behavior. And at the end of the day, isn't that what we want? (laughs) Self-regulation. That'd be great. (laughs) Well, I can't thank you enough for joining me. I am just honored to have gotten an opportunity to visit with you. And I really value all the work that you're doing for Region 13 superintendents to principals to brand new interns in our area. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to I've Tried Everything. Join me next week as we continue on our journey for behavior supports in schools. Remember to subscribe, and you can always find great resources at Region 13's website. Just search behavior. Talk to you next time.